if if we're going to do that, we've we've got to save energy for all of it. Elaborate. I was saying, like, if we're going to have quite rightly, if we're going to have that energy that we're going to boycott, um, like brands and, and whatever for for racism, and we got we got to have it for all of it. everyone welcome to the Otto let's talk podcast i am dj golden child one of the founders of the Otto brand and this is a podcast where we talk about everything relevant and get everyone talking so before i hand over to the host with the most mr alistair i want to say quickly that this podcast is our personal opinions there are opinions to get everyone talking and just because we don't have the same opinions doesn't mean that we still can't get on and talk about them each and every person on this panel is brave enough to come on and say their opinions. So now I'll pass over to Alistair. Well, I've got to back that up now, and I've got to come after that intro, which is which is great. Um, right, so I'm I'm Al. I'm the host and the editor of the podcast, and I've got Chris here with me today. Chris, how's it going? Yeah, what's good, everyone? Yeah, yeah, and no, just try. I'll be honest. When when my people came over from Scandinavia, we were not built for this level of heat. I am melting. <laughs> It's been a pretty tough one today, I ain't going to lie. I'm, I'm struggling. Lying on the floor. Doing my best to stay, to stay cool. Danny, how's it going? I'm literally melting into a puddle. I'm really hot. But it's, um, no, you guys, I can't mind. no, you guys need to sweat out. When it's October, no, I've, I've got, November. Listen, I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining about the weather. I'm not saying that that's a problem. I am. I, I, no, I no. Am. I like the hot weather. It's it's the humidity and the lack of aircon in this house is, is a killer. Like, I'm... It's, I love it. I've been out there. I've been out there roasting myself with my Factor 50. You know what I mean? Looking like Willie Beeman. Sting. It's been so lovely to have this weather, to finally have a summer. It has been yeah, nice. Definitely. But the hay fever is just oh, insane yeah. this year. Mine's been peaked. Hate it. I'm, I'm probably one of the only people that don't enjoy extreme heat, which is uh, quite ironic considering that uh, my family are African. If I was on a pool on holiday, that would be the one. I'd be like, yeah, yeah cool. He doesn't bother you on holiday, does it? It can be as hot as you like, but, you know, you're like, yeah, cool. I've got my swimming shorts and my bikini on in Greg's case. Like, and I'm chilling <laughs> I'm chilling by the pool, got a couple of drinks, I'll sit in the shade. Yeah, it's fine. But when you're when you're at home or you're in the office, like, it's just, I can't, no, it's too much. It's too much. I, I, I will agree with you there. Gravy, do you want to kick us off with a recap of last week's podcast? Yeah, well, I don't know how it's been for you guys, but... um. The podcast has definitely done what I intended it to do, and that was to get people talking. Um, I think even between friends, family, I've had, I just want to say thank you to everybody that's given us feedback. Um, Even if that's positive or negative, I think it's all good. I'm willing to take it. And for everyone that's called me and to say points, like Tony from South London, who said, for me and you, Dan, this one, it was about yeah. the statues and about how he disagreed with my point of melting the statues and of your point of getting rid of them. He said that maybe we should put the statues in a, in a museum. And if Tony's listening, Tony, if, I, if I've quoted you wrong, I apologise. But what I, the gist of what I got when I had my pen trying to write down bullet points was that maybe we should put the statues in a museum and teach uh, the communities about these figures of history of what they've done good and what they've done bad and that sort of changed my opinion on it because i sort of said melt it and i think that makes sense 
Um, Mickey from New Zealand also wanted to touch on the Winston Churchill point, and that said, um, even though Churchill had his faults, he did he did defend this country in, from what would have been worse, which was Germany, and that Churchill did make one key quote, which I'm paraphrasing it, which was, "Those who fail to learn from history are doomed to repeat it." That was Sir William Churchill, which I think is really relevant to the whole statue thing. Uh, at, at the time, at this time, uh, at this time, full stop, it is quite relevant. I agree. Yeah. So, and another point that uh, Tony wanted to make about Winston Churchill was that there was other candidates to be prime minister of this country at the time who would have been in the pocket of Germany. And if Hitler would have got his way, there I say it, that me and Al probably wouldn't be on this podcast right now because he would have definitely <laughs> cleansed up the UK. So I think it's I a case of I'd better... Be the... Well, there you go. So I think it is a case of better the devil you know sometimes. And I think from this whole conversation is nobody is perfect. Um, I think Mickey wanted to get that point across from New Zealand about the Prime Minister of New Zealand. I don't know much about her. So this was more to Chris. And I think it was um, that he was probably right. That even she has a few skeletons in her closet and we all do and I think that's what makes us human but I want to reiterate the point of what I said about what we're doing is not to offend anybody and if we do get something wrong or something you do disagree with please hit us up in the comments that's why it's called let's talk uh oh baby let's talk talk to us about it and let us let us talk about it have you guys heard of Andrew Schultz no I, I mean I could try and google and, and, and lie but no <laughs> He he he's a comedian that does a podcast with Charlemagne the God. Oh, it's yeah. called Brilliant Idiots, and it, it's a great podcast because um, yeah, he's quite unapologetic about his his views. Um, but he did a really good video, probably about a week ago, about um, similar thing in America about um, history and statues and why it's you know this and that and it touched on what you just said gravy there you just said like you know if we were you know every leader every person that's done something inspirational in history had a had a side which was unfavorable that if the public knew more about it would would you know would diminish the good that they've done um specifically people like gandhi specifically people like martin luther king and then you know he quite unapologetically said you know there are some figures that yes we shouldn't be praising some things we shouldn't be um glorifying but equally you have to accept that that will mean some of the figures that we do praise and glorify will be scrutinized so he did a really good video on it I, i'm paraphrasing it you must watch watch the video it's, it's really good andrew schultz is a good video. It, it definitely ties in well with just people in general like i think it's a little bit simplistic but there are good people that do bad things and get things wrong i think that's most people like most people are good at heart but they make a mistake or whatever. But then there are bad people that will occasionally do something good. It doesn't make them a good person, but, you know, it, it works both ways. Like, no one's perfect, like like it's been said. Like, no one's perfect. There's going to be people that get it wrong all the time. It's, it's, overall how, it's overall how someone acts and their intentions and how they conduct themselves as, as to whether they're a good person or not. And, yeah, they're me most political leaders and heads of state, etc., are going to have the skeletons in their closet, like you said, but overall it's 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 the overall intentions of people i think in in the show notes i'll put a link to it it's called the confederate flag and racist statues and what to do 
by Andrew Schultz. And in, in, in the show notes, I'll put it in for anyone who wants to watch it. Dan, you got anything to add? Yeah, so on the last one, I, I probably sat on the fence and I probably watched what I said because I've, I would never want to offend anyone or make anyone... Because where I've had so many conversations with people and I understand how crap they've been made to feel down to racism, I, I think it's awful. And I'd never want to like make someone feel like that. But the things that I was seeing online, the things that was getting me angry, I was like, certain races were being... Or, sorry, not certain races, certain cultures were being put down. And I think I, that's the point that I didn't agree with. I think if we're going to fight racism, I think we need to fight racism as a whole. And I think putting yeah, down yeah. other cultures by um, by saying certain comments like, so I looked, you know, Amber from Love Island, she went to um, a, prote- a peaceful protest in... Um, uh, she's from Newcastle, I think she's from. So she went to a peaceful protest and there was thousands of people there and they were being sensible and they were having to meet a distance and blah, blah, blah. And I read on her post that she said that um, they got down on one knee for seven or eight minutes and for what happened in America. And um, basically, she, this was her, her quote, all the white people were shouting at the police saying, get down on one knee, get down on one knee. And a, a lady, a black lady said, um, the last time a police got down on one knee, one of our brothers died. And I fully, everything that Amber said, I was like, I fully agree with it. It's disrespectful. They shouldn't have been speaking during the seven, eight minute silence. And, um, you know, I get, I get what the woman said. It's like, it's not nice what happened to him. And it's awful, in fact. But what I didn't like was the fact that she said that all the white people were doing it. I mean, there were thousands of people there. How did she 100% know that every single white person was shouting? Like, And I think everything that she said, I agreed with until that point. And I thought, you've just rubbished everything you've said because you're putting down a culture that is a part of you. Like, And when I... The yeah, whole she's mixed race, time, isn't she? Yeah, so like... So anyway, I was speaking with John about it a lot. John's um, family are from the Caribbean and South America. Um, I'm white Irish. And we were speaking about it a lot because we've got two daughters. And I got, what got me, I think, he was like, why are you getting so angry and upset? And it was like, because I, I am not racist in the slightest. And I, I know I'm not. And the people that, I, um, that know me know I'm not. And my well, family are not. Your kids are mixed race. Yeah, but it's like, and when I say, like, I describe John, it, it's just John, and everyone's like, oh, my God, I didn't know you was a black guy. And I'm like, because it's just John. So, anyway, Should like, I said, yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but that's, that's what I, I actually used to get a lot of comments. Like, oh, I didn't know John was, anyway, until they met one of my daughters. And I, I said to John, what I don't want God, is for... I'm glad you're yes. Oh, good. <laughs> so, well, I, um, what I don't want from Evie and Isla is... I want them to know their whole history, their Irish history, their South American history, their um, Caribbean history, like Egyptian history. They'll know the history of the world, not just what white people did to black people years and way back when, because that's not us now. And we want to make a change. And I don't ever want my daughters to ever feel like they can't get anywhere because of their skin colour. They will never, ever be like told that because I will not allow it. But I will also 
be upset in myself that if they were to make a comment like Amber did, because I'd be like, so anyway, uh, also another thing, so I'm, I've gone right off now. There was, um, I watched a video on this guy. He was go, girl, race, go. And he was saying that he looks black, but he's mixed race. And he said, he made a few points. He was like, you know, like, fair enough promoting black businesses because of the algorithms. I fully get that. And I think you should promote all businesses. Um, but he was like, so what should I do? Should I shut my white family down and, you know, just stick up for my black side? He goes, I'm not going to do that because as a whole, we we are a family. And the other day I had a family barbecue at my house. And if I took a picture and posted it and listed all the different places that all my family are from, from Italian, Cyprus, like they're Greek, um, you know, South American, Caribbean, iris like the list is endless like we just have everyone and i just i hate that i because i'm white i made that i don't want to feel like i for a week i felt like i was not being put down and i shouldn't have been taking it personally but i don't think white people should be tiled with the same brush and i get what people might think oh finally they're you know they're going to see it from our side and i, I hate that for many years that black people have been made to feel like crap. I hate it. I hate it. But I didn't do that. And the people that I know didn't do that. So you can't. And so when I've been talking to friends about it, they're like, damn, but you're the minority. You're the minority that looks at things like this. And that's what I hate, that I am the minority. It, it shouldn't be like that. But fight race together. Don't fight Lady, race by putting down Lady another culture. Arrived. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, guys. I I, 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 I do actually no, well done, agree with what you're saying, Danny, because it's something it's something that that I struggle with. Like, it's not just it's not just you know my views on on racism, etc. Like, obviously, most people of you know who were brought up properly weren't dragged up. Know that you treat people how you find them and the the, the color of their skin, their gender, their sexual orientation. It's all it's all irrelevant. But I'm I think the best way that we can sort of sum it up is you don't judge the majority on the actions of the few. Like, and that goes for absolutely anything. Like you can't say that all white people are racist because of this. And you can't say that all black people are racist because of that. Like it's, it's just, just a few people and that, that are ruining the perception. No, yeah, I, I can see, I can see where people are coming from. I just I think you know to, just to play devil's advocate, I think there's a lot of tension at the moment um, in in terms of race relations, and you know I think it boils down to the fact that yeah I can see what you're saying about you know not tarring people with the same brush and then you know the acts of the the few you know and and all that. I, I kind of get that, but equally I kind of feel the, the the where people are most incensed is this feeling of. You know, black people always been tarred with the same brush. Black people always been treated exactly the same. Um, and actually, some of the time when you get people like Amber making these comments about all white people and all such and such, it's kind of a response to the way she's been treated and a response to the way, you know, other black people have been treated in a sense. Yeah, that's how she's felt. We, yeah, all get yeah, get with the, we all get tarred with the same brush. And that, that, you know, you can only go with what you know. And, you know, she's a mixed race woman and yes, she is. And she's, you know, half black and half white. But, you know, it's very controversial to say, but unfortunately the world will probably see her as a black woman. 
Well, I so. want to add. I want to add on. I want to add on your point because I've got two more uh, bits of feedback from listeners from last week's show. So one, once again, was um, Tony from South London who um, who mentioned sorry Tony from Surrey who mentioned that the first time he saw a film about racism was a film called Watermelon Man. Um, and for those who don't yeah. know what the connotations are for um, black people and watermelon, it was always sort of um, told that black people love watermelon and fried chicken, um, which is, <laughs> I'm not going to say what I was about to say there, but it, that's always been, always been the link with the black community. So this film's called The Watermelon Man. It came out in 1970. Now, with everything getting locked off because of being racism on, on most platforms, I don't know if you can still find it. It may be on YouTube, but I sort of watched the trailer and looked into the film and talking to Tony about it. It was a film about a, a white a white guy who was very popular in his community, um, had loads of friends, was one of the local popular people. And then uh, something happened. And then each day, he started his skin started turning darker and darker until he became a black man and his friends and social circles stopped talking to him and um tony said that this is when he realized that um what racism was about and i think that was quite a a powerful film to uh to talk about i don't know if it's still about the second point came from a lady called sophie from north london who said um with the hype around the Black Lives Matter movement, are we, as a black community, going to start boycotting the big brands who have been linked to racism? And I know there's a lot of brands that have come out and said they've had links, uh, some banks, and that brings them to the point of, uh, I know the UK was one of the first to get rid of race um, slavery, but what they've done after doing a bit of research, but if you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, was that the banks were paying the slave owners money to reinvest it in slave trade in other countries. If if we're going to do that, we've we've got to save energy uh, so, for all of it. Which was a bit elaborate. What we're saying, like, if we're going to have quite rightly, if we're going to have that energy that we're going to boycott, um, like brands and, and whatever for for racism, and we got we got to have it for all of it. If we're going to be morally obliged or or, or you know offended by things like can't be buying night trainers sweatshops still exist like you can't be can't be wearing the free stripe can't be can't be wearing you know like gucci and that like you can't like where are these clothes getting made like that's 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 human that's human slavery that's and that's that's racially biased like you you grab the same energy for everything i completely agree but i think where would you draw the line because i think the world economy would 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 completely collapse I think you draw the line on on you draw the line on ethics really it's it's the ethical choice so you know I do my best not to 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 buy f- clothes from fast fashion because I understand um the connotations behind where those clothes are produced and mm-hmm. how they're produced and who gets paid for them so I do my best to try to purchase ethically so within that ethical stance of um how people are paid to produce the clothes that I wear it equally for me 
links in with the fact that if there are brands that are particularly um, offensive to my community, then 100%. If I know it's a brand that's particularly offensive to another community, then 100%. It's not, it's not something I want to be associated with. So I think it's an ethics thing. See, I think you draw the line at your ethics. Not oh, I'm not even going to, you know. I'm not even going to lie there. Mine is done ethically to my bank balance. Like, number one, I ain't buying Balenciaga. I ain't buying Gucci. I'm not buying Dior because practically my bank account cannot reflect that sort of purchase of clothing. Another point I wanted to make was I know someone made a point about KFC, how that recipe has been has been stolen. Um, are we going to stop eating KFC in the black community? Uh, I doubt it. Um, and there was one other brand which I didn't write down. Ah, Oh, no, it's gone. Yeah, but I think Chris touched them. Gucci have done some dubious clothing um, before. Which oh, yeah, that, that horrifically, buy. like, racially insensitive T-shirt. And then the next day, Floyd Mayweather was, bit was like, filming himself going into a Gucci store and buying it all up. Like, Yeah, well, he's a different... It's all about, it's all about morals, isn't it? The way the world's going at the moment, I just hope that Aunt Bessie's got a recipe on lock because, boy... Like, Aunt Bessie might be getting shut down soon as well because I swear Yorkshire puddings probably ain't hers now. I'm questioning everybody. Uncle Ben's is gone. Uh, other people are just... It's, it's, I think we need to... I I think we just got to be sensible at where we draw the line. Uh, that's all I'm going to say because where, where does it stop? Do you know what I mean? I, I, it's ethics. That's, 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 that's my point. They've just got to draw, draw the line. But yeah, Al, should we swiftly move on? Yeah, yeah, I think we need to move on. But like I said, I think it's an ethics thing. Like I said, at the moment, tensions are very, very high. People feel like they're being misrepresented. People like, you know, Danny said herself, she feels like it's people are being congregated into into groups. Um, and tensions are high. And I think we've just got to understand that at the moment. I think the tensions in the black community is very, very high because it's something that we've dealt with all our lives. Um, the tensions now become in the white community because we're asking the white community to start review, reviewing you know their practices and the way they see the world so unfortunately at the moment we're gonna have to you know you know do our best to you know push forward with the current issue which is um at the moment which seems to be the the lives of black people and giving us a bit of a help with that and then as other issues arise we push forward to that. So that's what I said. That's what I said. It's an ethics thing rather than a race thing. It's an ethics thing. But on a lighter note, you know, would anybody like to elaborate on Daniel Rashford and what he's been doing <laughs> in the community? Daniel Rashford. <laughs> Listen, Matt on a, Hancock. On a positive note. Matt Hancock is an absolute chief. <laughs> Shall I tell you why I find that quite interesting, the, the Rashford thing? Because I've spoken to a few friends about it and, and I said for a young person of his age and the money he's earning. Now, and I'm going to be honest here. The last thing I'd be thinking about if I was in his position with where with his money would be trying to help others. Like, I'm not going to lie. At that, I'm thinking of me mentally at that age. I don't think I'd... So I take my hat off to him doing that. Like him saying, I was one of them kids. I used to get school free dinners at school as well, but I never would have got... If I was in that position at 22, I don't think I would have had that that sort of mindset to go and help kids that is, that is I, I wouldn't. So different I money though isn't it like a month's a month's wage is generational wealth 
I don't know. I don't think people realise the magnitude of what he's done. And I say it in light heart, you know, let's talk about Daniel Rashford. But actually, like monumentally, so because of him, you know, 1.3 million children, 1.3 million will be able to claim free school meals during the summer holidays. You know, he made the government U-turn on their own policy. Like That is monumental. I mean, he himself has said, you know, he, he himself has said, that he believes that his generation, in terms of, you know, you say at 22, his generation of people um, aren't afraid to speak out now because, you know, he said he was inspired by the backlash that Raheem Sterling got. And he's probably a little bit younger than Raheem Sterling, but, you know, they're roughly around the same generation. And he was inspired by that. And, you know, like like you said, being a free school meals recipient himself, it was, a, it was, of course, close to his heart. But, you know, because of what he's done, not only is he... You know, he's made governmental U-turn policy, you know, U-turn on their policy, but he's ensured that, you know, 15% of the children that go to school, you know, in this country who are free school meals will be able to continue that for the six weeks during the holidays. You know, that, you know, I live in East London and down the road is Tower Hamlets. They've got one of the highest percentages of free school meals in the entire country, nearly 36% of children. But Al, you bring on to my, onto, onto the flip side of that, because uh, speaking to a few, a few friends, I ain't going to uh, name them. But a couple of them were like, yeah, what you've done was nice and that. But that's all right if you've got one kid. If you've got a family who've got five kids, that means I'm paying for five school meals. And, and I can see that from people that don't have children. Like, some people are feeling well, that's, like... No, that's, that's society. Hold on a I, minute. That's, no, I, I disagree then. That's like saying... Yeah, that, I'm, not saying that's my, I'm not saying that's my... I'm not saying... Hold on. I'm not saying... Why am I playing for... Why am I paying for... No, no, no. I'm not arguing with you. No, no. Not at all. I'm not arguing with you, but... What that reminds me of is this horrible rhetoric that people like Katie Hopkins throw at and they say, oh, you know, instead of taking up what he done at face value, they say, you know, if you don't have the money to have the children, don't expect me to pay for it. This is society. Yeah, we're in a society. We're in a society where we pay our taxes that go to the most vulnerable children. You're telling me because a child happens to be vulnerable in a five you know, five strong, six strong family. It's the child's fault, and they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be helped. It's an. It's a nonsense. You don't want to. Okay, you don't want to pay for. You don't want to pay for somebody else's child to eat. But what kind of a person is that? It's not the child's fault. No, it's it's, it's nonsense. Like you, regardless of how you've how you've how regardless of how you've got there, like it's a child. The child's got no say in. Ha- Exactly. how it's brought into the world the how it's to go up. hungry so you don't have to pay Exa- for it exactly like if you go if if it means you lose an extra 30 quid a month so that you know a couple of kids can eat no more it doesn't need to be any more dramatic than that so a couple of kids can eat like you pay it don't you like yeah, it's, exactly. it's it's it's, yeah, it's, it's a no-brainer like there is definitely a social issue of of people choosing to have kids who rely one hundred percent on funding from the government in forms of benefits, but that's a very small percentage of the population. I mean, me personally, mm. I don't know. I don't like relying on anyone for money. Like, if I can't pay for me, I, I'm not going to willingly put myself in a situation where I'm going to be strapped for cash. And I think people that, you know, are struggling to pay for themselves that then decide to have a have a large family. I think they need to sit down and have some serious questions about whether that's fair on, on the children that they're looking to bring in this world. However, once the kids are there, like the you said, like it's an absolute fault. Yeah. It's absolutely no brainer. Like take it up with the parents, go like pull your finger out, like work for your kids and that hundred percent. But it's not the kids' fault. The kids the kids get the kids get fed. No, end of. We don't live we don't I, live it we don't live in a nice world. Go on Dan. I don't I I think as well like you know for people ignorance is bliss to them. And I don't think people fully get 
how bad some people have got it. Like some kids literally are hungry. Their their parents might decide to buy a pack of cigarettes and a crate of beer at the weekend rather than yeah. going doing a shop. You know, and I don't. I think if people actually really saw these kids that didn't get fed, that didn't, you know, that did go hungry, that did rely on going on round to people's houses for dinner. I think if they actually saw it for themselves, they wouldn't mind giving that extra 30 quid a month. And I yeah, think some people it was... live in, in glass houses, don't they? So, yeah, you know, and people are angry about having a pay as opposed to thinking ethically and morally, like, come on now. Like... See, I ain't got a problem. My, my issue, this is this is my opinion, and people before people start, start coming for me, this is my personal opinion. I don't have a problem with kids getting free school dinners. What I do have a problem with is the, the politicians getting pay rises and taking big bonuses. And I'm still getting taxed like a mofo. Like, every time I try and better my situation, my tax goes up. And I think that's outrageous. Like, I don't mind helping people who are less fortunate than myself. I think that's 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 a good thing. I think if you're helping someone get up in life, then fair enough. But what I don't like is these politicians who are out there who, who are living nice and then claiming their little bluey, um, pornos what they're watching on in their hotel rooms as a, as a, an expense like that's outrageous but then no one's sending for that but then so, why, why are people more in up in arms why are people more so why are people making this such a fuss about having to pay for vulnerable children but not the same energy about MPs and what they're paid that's why I say it's a nonsense it's a nonsense I think it's that case as well like I said the world's not a nice place and this is a discussion we're talking let's talk but I think you gotta see everyone has a different mindset so if you have no children and then you're thinking, hold on a minute, this this has no bearings on my life, but I'm paying for X amount of kids down the road like to eat. Some people don't want their money being spent on that. And to be fair, that's but Greg, that is up but to Greg, them. We don't have kids, and we've we've got no issue with that. But how do you? No, I don't. Money, I, it's, 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 not, it's not as simple as that. Right, you I'm, don't not, say, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. What would a you rather be paying for? No, but I'm paying devil's advocate here. You see what I mean? What would you rather be paying for? What you're saying, you'd rather have that money in your pocket. Okay, so you have that money in your pocket, and surely that creates more poverty. That creates more vulnerable children. It's the, it's the broken window society. syndrome, isn't it? Societies, if, if your windows are not broken, societies you Societies build... Yeah, societies build each other up. Without, without societies doing these things for each other, it doesn't exist. Not everybody's born into society where they can they can they they can um, have generational wealth. They can push forward. They can be able to just sustain themselves from day one to the day they die. But society is that society is this concept of creating these think... trees that you know you not you won't be able to sit under. You know that 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 is a definition of society. So if people don't like that, then I suppose they need to go move to Monaco where they can but, they oh, pay no it, tax. The good neighbour thing's probably gone though. Right isn't it? to have that point as well. Because Greg like, doesn't have children or Chris, you do have a right to have that opinion or view because you don't have kids and you don't... And even if you didn't have kids, but you knew that like, you don't see what's going on, I I can get why people say it's they're not my kids, why should I have to pay for it? Or um, they shouldn't have put themselves in that position. Like, I understand why people think that way, but it... And they should have the right to feel that way without being frowned upon. But at the same time, on the flip side, there are children that didn't choose to be here with, you know, parents yeah. that aren't yeah. right for them and they're suffering. So, yeah, no, like, I'm happy to pay for these kids that aren't mine because I know what... I've got free school dinners I've seen school. people... Yeah, and I so did I. And I was very lucky to have free um, school dinners. But I, I wouldn't frown upon your opinion or your... Primary school school dinners were paying. And you, you, 
Yeah, you're working your way up. Why should you be put what? back down? Do, do you know what, Danny? Like, I, I hear, I hear what you're saying, and, and I'm sure, I'm sure Greg will back me up on this. Like, the people such uh, that don't have kids that are angry at the situation. I think I would like to think that most people are just misplacing their displeasure. They're angry and annoyed at people that aren't looking after their kids properly. And it's it's easy to say, sitting on the fence, looking outside, that anyone that's struggling for money isn't looking after their kids properly, because there's lots of reasons why that could be the case. We're talking about the very small percentage that are choosing to put their child into poverty by spending money on, on ish they don't really need. But I've got absolutely no issue whatsoever in paying for kids that are, let's put it bluntly, in poverty, having having a meal. Like I've got no issue with that. Wouldn't it's, even it's think twice inve- about paying for it. It's an investment into... It's an investment in society. It's not yeah. paying kids to eat. It's an investment in society. It's making sure these children can actually eat and survive and be better members of society. You know, I don't. I think I've called the police maybe twice in my life, and one of them was a mistake, right? You know, and the police haven't done anything for me that they've, you know, other than I think I got my jacket got nicked once, you know. But I, but but I can't. I can't. What do you want me to do? Say, well, I, well, I don't. The police don't do anything for me, so. I don't want to fund them. You know, it doesn't work like that. It's society. You know, the money that you, the money that you, you're taxed on, the money that you, 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 you have to pay for other things. Go to so many different pots. You know, they go to so many different things. And in a moment, people start saying, "Okay, do you know what? You know, my family have had a have had a horrible relationship with the police, and they've done nothing but you know do this and do that to us. So I don't want to fund them. It doesn't work like that. You know, I get that people don't have well, children, but you know, it's, it's, it's an investment in society. People, Some people don't drive, but we still pay your taxes to make sure the roads are safe, don't you? So what do, what do we do then? Do we withdraw the funding, for, you know, that goes towards roads then and and, and all that stuff? You know, you, yeah. you it doesn't work like that. It's mad. I don't drive, so yeah, why am I paying taxes opinion, to get the bottles fixed? That's how the world fixed. is. Yeah, exactly. That's how the world is, though. So moving on, because we've got quite a few bits to talk about just to just to um, end this <laughs> very long recap on last week. Um it was um, the anniversary of Rinrush. Um, that was, I think, it was last week. Oh no, it was cu- if not coming up. Um, and there was twenty second about it on BBC. No, it was. It was. It yeah, was. It was, yeah. it was. It was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. So then there's a there was a well publicised program sitting in limbo um, on BBC, highlighting particular people who 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 were affected by the Rinrush scandal. And yeah, if if you read into it, it's 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 horrible. You know, to have this concept of been invited over to this country to, to rebuild it post-war uh, and then basically all these years later having your human rights denied being told if you, you know that you've contributed to society for 30 years and then a man found he had cancer and they gave him a 52 grand bill and tried to deport him some people who had come over as teenagers and children and never been back to the Caribbean were deported it, it was horrendous um and gravely being being Caribbean yourself you know what what's your what you know what, what was your background in terms of the wind rush what did you know about it and well, well it's funny because I, I know it, we all came well my grandparents came over in the 60s but i know the initial wind rush crew was 1948 um and i think how i think what people need to remember is the time when the west indies came over was a time when britain needed help it needed hands on the pump to rebuild so a lot of uh, the black women of that era went into nursing um was to caring and a lot of the men went into manual labour. And I think to be told 30 years later that, yeah, thanks a lot, but see you later. I think that goes back 
to the statue point of view. Like, I think if we don't learn from this stuff that happened in history, then it gets repeated. Because if you look now, a lot of the NHS is um, being filled by a lot of Filipino ladies. Um, I've visited the Philippines and a lot of them train in, to be nurses to come over to the UK and the States to fill that role. So it, again, with history repeating itself, it's happening, but not with the West Indies, with a different part of Asia. So I think we need to learn learn from that situation um, that when the West Indies came over, we contributed massively to society, culturally, fashion. Um, and I, I think to, if you look at, at Britain now, Britain has a big um, West Indian culture from food to mm, music to fashion. Massive. To music, and, yeah, massive. Yeah, massive. And I think to, to forget about, especially like Westy Soul, my granddad um, came over in, in the 60s and he came over during the London riots, funny enough. And he loves he loves the UK, well, loved the UK, my granddad. And he said to me when he come over that he'd walk the streets and they'd, they'd say like, oh, Darky, you want a job? And when he was telling me, I was like, well, like, granddad, are you cool with that? He's like, son, I've got four children at home at the time. I needed a job. So I didn't hear the darky bit. I just heard you need a job because I knew that was going to be putting food on the table and paying, keeping the roof over our heads. So in, in my eyes, he was like, I didn't see it as racist because I needed to earn money. So if you look, and I'm not saying it's right, but if you look at how thick-skinned he must have been during that, to say, do you know what? I need to provide for my family. If this guy's going to call me saying, I still need to earn. And it, it was wrong, but we have to understand. And again, it's about learning our history. Is is his work ethic to provide for his family? Those same people were told that they had to go home. They weren't, they weren't allowed to be UK citizens. They were told they had to pay the NHS for, for, for medical appointments you know some of them had their paperwork lost and i think that's what makes it even more heinous that you know the fact that like you said these things happened to some of these people and then they were then told thanks 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 a lot see you later so yeah, yeah it's, it's outrageous it's, man it's outrageous but do you know what but, you know, I, i'm fed up of i'm fed up of seeing the positive stuff like associated with the with the black community but in fact with with everything 2020 has been the most if it was a rave, it would get locked off. It was just dead. Like for me, mm. like let's put a, let's put a positive spin on what we added. Team, it would be an Ars- it would be Arsenal, wouldn't it? Uh, you got jokes, really. why? You know I mean? Why do I, I just think we need to put a positive spin on what we have added, what we have added to the to the to the UK, rather than what we what we haven't added. That's that's all I want to get across, because I've I've never committed a crime. I pay my taxes. So I, I contribute, I feel I contribute to this society. And then I feel a lot of a lot of um, people before me from the black community have also added to society. And I think then to turn around and say, get out or pay your bills is totally outrageous. Yeah, and I think it's quite a poignant way to end uh, this this part of the of the pod. And we'll move on to part two shortly. Right, part two. So this is quite a interesting topic and a topic which is quite sensitive. So I think the disclaimer at the beginning of this is if we get part of this wrong, 
or we've not represented this topic well enough, please, please, please um, just let us know in the comments and educate us a bit better. But I think it, it tied in quite well if it being June. So let's see what happens. So the question is, why is there a lack of openly gay male athletes in the highest profile sports? So not necessarily sports in general, but the highest profile sports. And the reason why we're sort of talking about it now is because we're in June and it marks the annual LGBT pride celebration. This happens every year and it's in June. And across the world, it's celebrated in lots of different ways. Um, you might ask why it's in June. It's in June because it represents, uh, it pays homage to what's called the Stonewall Riots, which was a, which refers to the Stonewall Inn in New York City, which was a gay bar. And in the 60s, early 70s, gay bars were regularly raided by the police in New York. And unfortunately, a lot of the gay men were treated quite awfully. And in June, in the Stonewall Inn, they took a stand and said no more. And it they fought back so for that reason every june it's um it's celebrated now like i said it started off with this conversation being about openly gay openly male gay athletes because the optics that i see is in the higher profile sports um gay women uh, are, are quite openly um active in terms of in their sport and openly gay so one that's ringing to mind for me being a big MMA fan is Amanda Nunes. She's a two-time world champion um, in MMA. You know, one of the best that's ever done it. You've got Nicola Adams, first British female Olympic box, boxing champion, you know. Um, and you do have other males um, who have been openly gay, but they tend to happen when they leave the sport. Um, so, Danny, why do you think... Why do you think there's a lack of openly gay male athletes in high-profile sports? Well, I think um, it's... Um, obviously, I'm not 100% sure, but... Uh, so, my cousin, he is gay, and he... Um, long story short, but he still thinks one day he's going to wake up straight. So, he, anyway, he was started seeing this MMA fighter, and the MMA fighter wasn't allowed to come out as gay by and advised not to by his manager and his marketing team because... It's not seen to be, obviously, as the macho thing. And I just think, who the hell are we to tell him that he's not allowed to come out all because of money and marketing and the job role that he does? It's the same. It's still discrimination. It's like, you know, um, I remember watching a documentary on um, a rugby player called Gareth Thomas. Gareth Thomas? Yeah. yeah Gareth. And I remember watching it with um, John, and he was like... I. We just couldn't believe how this poor man was feeling. He got married um, because that was the thing to do. And he was gay. And he he felt like, you know, these people, because they, they want to kill themselves because they're not allowed to be themselves. How ridiculous is that in this day and age? Or even back then, who are we to tell someone that they can't be who they want to be? And I just don't think it's, um, anyone should be made to feel whatever sport they're in and you know if they actually came out and say do you know what I'm gay their team players just stand up for them and be like that's fine you know like we love you the whoever team, the team players the team players definitely would but I think yeah. you know going back to the, the concept of why there are no openly gay uh, athletes in high profile sports is because in a higher profile sports it's big crowds it's big contracts you know your NFLs your NBAs your premiership you know big crowds big contracts but um, like would you would you not yeah, why 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 they're not? It's like would would you not be your 
you know, like um, with Greg's granddad, he saw the job side of it. He saw the money side of it to, to pay for his family. And I get that, but it's like you're literally selling yourself. So you don't, you're not going to be who you're going to be for the sake of money. And I kind of get it. And, and then once they come out of the sport and retired, they come out that they're gay. But it's like, why should you it have to be do that? It's sanity as well, really, because you've got to think about it. If you've, you know, a lot of these games are bought, you know, built on your mental strength. Yeah. And if you've got to go and perform, you know, nobody knows what it feels like to have the weight of an entire nation or the weight of an entire city on your back. And in those small periods, you've got to perform to the best of your physical ability. And while you're doing that, you've got opposing fans just throwing all sorts of abuse at you. I mean, Chris, surely, you know, that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just it. don't. I just don't understand anyone that has a problem with him based on on any characteristic that they can't control. Like it just it just baffles me. Like I've never been able to understand it. Like I've got good friends that are gay, um, and they told me, and I was like, okay, cool. Like it, it makes no difference to me whatsoever. And I've played on on. I've played on teams and I've been part of clubs, etc. Like various different sports, and it's it's never even occurred to me, um, you know, if 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 you know one of one of my teammates or colleagues, or whatever, came out and said I'm gay, like cool, like let's let's just get on with it. Like it makes no make difference to me, like, and I I just don't understand why it, it's it's a problem still. It's 2020. Like how can how can people still be afraid or or dislike someone based on that. Like I don't, I don't like hate. It comes from fear. But what are people afraid of? Are they afraid to come to terms with their own sexuality, and that's why they're hateful? Like I, I don't get it. it. Makes it makes no sense to me. Like, it, I mean, you can't control, you can't control whether you're gay or straight. So, so why are people? Why are the people offended by it? Why are these athletes not being open about it? You know, for, for no reason am I, I, you know, it's no criticism. I'm, I'm just trying to understand why. I think for me, it, they could argue about, as I said before, it could be the backlash from terraces. Um, is it because of these multi-million pound sports and they want to try and sell what is their quote unquote cleaner image? You know, wife and children, uh, you know, what, you know. Could be their culture. I'm just trying to understand well. it. What, what, what is it? Well, like Lionel Messi, well. I, he wouldn't stop being the best player in the world if he came out as gay and, you know, said sorry to his missus of, three, of you know, 15 years and, and left her for a bloke. Like, no one, he wouldn't suddenly stop becoming the best player in the world. Like, so it, I just, I don't get it. Like, you look at the major brands now, like Adidas have done, like, they're, like, the best for, like, malt for just, Hacking into all kinds of advertising and and and, and being no, as not. diverse as possible. Whatever. Still with it. Still with the move with the times. Yeah, move with the times. Yeah. So like, they they're, they're the first ones to like embrace multiculturalism and things like that. And and I just I don't see that Adidas all of a sudden would drop him. So if if, if he came out, I don't I don't think it'd be a problem. So, so, young play- so, so gravy. I don't know. So gravy. What gravy? What is it then? What what? If I'm Why? being honest, um, I think the way the world is at the moment, this is the great opportunity for any like sports athlete to come out as gay. Like with the world how it is, I think this would be the perfect opportunity to do it. 
my thing is you're gay, so what? Like, you're black, so what? You're white, so what? Like, get over it. Like, it ain't going to stop you from performing on the pitch. I do think football, especially, I can only talk on football. It weren't too long ago that they were chucking bananas at black players and Still doing Chant it. Still doing it. Was, yeah, just yeah, a couple of months ago, wasn't it? Yeah, Abamyang. yeah, Abamyang. So, yeah, top, imagine, top fans, but imagine coming out <laughs> as as a as a gay athlete, like a gay Premier League footballer. Like the reason why I suggested this topic was from what Troy Deeney said about um, he thinks that at every Premier League club, there's one gay person and one bisexual person, and I must be. Minimum. It's got to be probably be more, more than, than that. that. But Al, like talking on the point, like we've done a bit of research. When if we're wrong, anybody, like please correct us. But I believe there's only been one top flight Premier League, or at the time would have been Division One, I, I believe. Well, not it's not not even so. Yeah, so so again, the disclaimer here being the disclaimer here being um, again the optics, the way I see it, and it might be completely wrong. And again, please, you know, please tell me if that is wrong. But in terms of professional sports and females being openly gay, it doesn't see, it doesn't seem in terms of you know WPL, WNBA, uh, things like that. Women are openly gay, um, but in our lifetime, there's only ever been one male gay athlete, uh, gay footballer, sorry, who's been openly gay whilst being active, and that was Justin Fashionu, you know, and you know, not necessarily Premiership, but you know, first top flight, you know, and he wasn't any average player. He was the first black a million pound player. You know, he was a very, you know, to the point where his family, which is the sad part of it, his family and a lot of his friends, you know, offered to pay him to not come out as gay because of the optics at the time of, of, of gay men. Um, and, you know, your Wimbledons and all your hard men and all those kind of non, all that kind of nonsense. And um, he was the only one. And there's nobody, there's, nobody's ever followed him. We've had Robbie Rogers, who was at Leeds uh, for a short spell of time and went back to the MLS. But in terms of top flight premiership it was, footballers. There was Thomas Hitchell's there, there haven't been any. It was Thomas Hetzelsberg. He was at he was at Villa, and then I think he went back to Germany. Yeah, but Chris, if you look, I looked I looked under for Brit British British like Premier League footballers. Yeah, it's so only that's been the disclaimer there. It's only, it's only yeah, it's only been um, Justin Fashionu, who, and this is the thing: the irony of this all is the stigma of being gay in the black community is is quite bad. So before we start screaming like our oh, black lives matter like i said change happens within like we need to look at the lgb community is still part of the black community um and being from jamaican heritage fact it is still illegal to be gay in jamaica um i believe it's uh lgb people are criminalized by the offense against offenses against the persons act 1864 and Looking into it, I believe being lesbian is legal, but uh, being a gay man is illegal, which I don't know how that works, but that's in that's in Jamaica. So that just shows you how sometimes, it, like that, what Danny said about being culturally, he I think Justin Fashion is Nigerian, right, Al? Am I correct in that? Is Nigerian descent? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, yeah. So again, to come out at that time when you're the first black million pound player would have been absolute massive pressure. And if people don't know their research about Justin Fashion, you please go and there's a documentary at the BBC done, I believe about it. And it's very insightful 
um, what he must have went through. And I think you look at that, you look at you look at it now, you you look at it now and think it's 2020. Why has there not been? Like like Chris said, if, if Ronaldo or Messi came out, it wouldn't affect you ain't gonna drop that player because like Danny said about her her cousin's boyfriend being an MMA fighter, I'd happily come out because I'd be like, anybody says this, I just put you in a tap out chokehold. You know what I mean? Who's gonna say that to me? Yeah, just lock like, off that chin. <laughs> yeah, just lock off your head. Like, I'm sorry, I know I'm not and I'm not saying violence is violence is the way, but boy, sometimes you just gotta show people, innit? Let, let me just show you what I can do. So like, no, I think it's outrageous and hopefully it will happen soon. Sorry, Chris, I think you're right there. I think, yeah, I think Hitzelsberger was the most, the highest profile um, footballer. And I think we did concentrate on British, but actually in terms of high profile active footballers, yeah, he, he's been the only one. Um, so I think you're right there. It's yeah, so, right. That's, that's, quite, that's quite crucial. I, I find think, weird we'll, that, sorry, I, what I find no, quite weird is that um, I find that so society are more inclined to accept lesbians and gay gay men. And I find that Yeah, 100%. Insane. 100%. Well, this yeah, is what we were saying, 100%. isn't it? And that it seems that the women women are more openly gay within sport. But I do think than, that's than more... I think that's more to do with, like, you know, like, men will look at two women as a sexual fantasy rather than, in some cases, not everyone, but I think they look at it as a sexual fantasy, whereas two men together, I think... They, I don't know. It gets a bit more frowned upon. Um. Yeah. No. 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 But I think Danny's right, though. I think there, there is a, definitely a percept. There's definitely a perception that, that appear like for f- from a straight male point of view. I, it's definitely, it, it's definitely something that I can say from speaking with other straight men. That it's definitely viewed at differently, and it's wrong. Like for me, it makes no odds. It makes no difference at all. Like it, I'm not involved. Do you? Like whoever you want to love or whatever. That's that's absolutely fine. But it, it is definitely viewed differently in society. Like you like like it's been touched on. Like there's there's many famous current like female athletes who are openly in same sex relationships. Like. Listen, you can think you're you're badder than bad. You go to, you go make some homophobic slur to Amanda Nunes. She will she will write your chin off. She'll smash you out, bro. That she, she'll smash you out, man. There's many there's many UFC fighters that are men that she would beat. Like she's an absolute animal, and no one thinks less of her because she's in a same sex relationship. I think it seems more comfortable for combat athletes to come out. Um, like Nicola well, Adams, no, I, 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 Nicola Adams in boxing. No, in the UK. I'd say females, not males. I mean, people have been quite openly. MMA fighters have openly said, "I would not spar. I would not do any Brazilian jiu-jitsu sparring." And for those who are not, you know, versed on that, Brazilian jiu-jitsu is ground fighting. There's a lot of rolling, a lot of chokeholds, a lot of. Oh, um, come on, man! Get out. Close contact. Rolling. Yeah, close, close, on, close contact. Man. Exactly, and and a lot of a lot of fighters have openly said. I will not spar, i.e. roll around with a, with a gay man. They've said that, you know, they've openly said that, you know, they've been chastised for saying it, but it's definitely within that community. Whereas, um, like you said, I would say, yes, it's it's easier in combat sports, but I would say more women are openly doing it rather than, rather than you know men, what, no, really. And for, for me, you know what that would do for me? Like, I, I, I'm one that would, I always like to prove a point. You tell me I can't do something, I'm going to show you that I can do it. If I was a, a male MMA fighter, I'd keep it quiet 
until I beat the world champion and then I'll bust a t-shirt that says I'm gay and what? And now I'm world champion. And then all the people you beat, you probably have that same thing, wouldn't say nothing to you. Like, we need to get over this, this stigma of like, oppressing people for what, what they what they are. Like, I think it's just pathetic. Like, yeah, just get over it. Like, who cares? Yeah, like, we need, and I'm, don't get me wrong, I'll take my hat off. The, someone's got to do it and it will happen. It's just that maybe everything's about timing. Maybe the time's just not right yet. But I believe it will happen within the next five years. Perfect. That's a perfect way to end that part. Um, so yeah, let's move on to part three. Right, part three, social media versus reality. Social media has changed the way we consume our news, our products, and most importantly, how we consume each other. Unfortunately, it shapes our expectations of reality and it undermines our esteem and fuels obsessive social comparisons. So what can we do to be more mindful about its negative impacts and begin to benefit from a very, very, very diverse, interconnected world? Now, that's a quote that I took from a TED talk from a lady called Catherine Ormerod. Um, and she's basically talking about her time in the fashion industry and how she started in there well before social media. Then social media became a part of it and she was kind of forced to make that part of her job. And she just had a point where she just said, listen, what I'm posting about this world that I'm in does not even slightly reflect what's going on in my life. I'm sat next to somebody else who's doing the same thing and they've got cancer. I'm sat next to somebody else who's done the same thing. They've just got a miscarriage. They've had a miscarriage, sorry. You know, my husband is leaving me, but I'm in Sandra Pay posting about how great my life is. And she then, it hit her quite hard and, she's, and she posed the question, is social media ruining your life? And she wrote a book about it and she um, has since become an influencer, funnily enough. But it was by asking that question to lots of other influencers, um, is it ruining our life? Which she's able to actually get to the crux of it. And I'm going to ask um, Gravy to come off here. But before you do, Gravy, I want to throw some nice figures at you. So this was taken from a company called Orbelo, I think, or Berlo. They're a dropshipping company and they did a bit of research um, as of the end of 2019. And I found these figures quite astonishing. So 3.5 billion social media users um, are worldwide. So 45% of the world's population. Uh, Facebook is still the most popular social media platform. Uh, people spend an average of three hours a day on social networking. Five million daily active Instagram stories are uploaded worldwide. 49% of consumers depend on influencer recommendations on social media. And 71% of consumers who have had a positive experience with a brand on social media are likely to re recommend that brand to their family and friends. So, Gravy, what are the positives? Where has it helped on social media? What are the positives? Positives is I think it's a, it's a great platform to promote something that you have. Um, I use social media a lot. Some may, people may believe that I'm actually in love with social media, even though the reality is, as Al and Chris know, I absolutely hate it. But for me and what I do, it's quite vital in today's market to use it the way I, I do it. It can generate sales. Um, it can generate a buzz around what you do. Used right, I think it's very uplifting sometimes. Um, I think if you use correctly, it's, it's massively positive. Like for me, doing lockdown, doing my live DJ sets has been good for me to still feel like I'm still part of what my job of what I'm doing. 
Um, it's brand sales in for the clothing. It's sold tickets for the brunches and parties we do. It's given people a platform to listen to us as I put out our podcast on there. So the positives are great. And I can't tell you the last hour. Remember when I used to do raves when we was at school and college? I used to drag you and Wayne out with me to go fly a cars like, after raves. Like, yeah. I don't have to do that yeah. no more. Like, because social media, I don't need to, I don't, but I can't tell you the last time I've printed a physical flyer for a party or an event that I'm doing because I don't have to do it. So the positives are, are great that way. But then I do feel, in fact, let someone else talk about the other positive bits. And yeah, so Chris, next so Chris, now, Chris, how does it hinder? Do positive and negative. How does it hinder, Chris? How does it hinder? Well, I think it, it's just like all telecommunications in general. I am. Like, how many times have you had a text off someone and you've been like, that's a bit off key? And then and then you've like called them and you've been like, no, no, I didn't mean that. I was just talking about this. And, and you're like, oh, right, okay, you didn't read like that. So, like, it just straight away, you can see something that someone posts and, and interpret differently. Like, it's, it's, it's faux reality. It's not, it's not real. Like, someone will post something and be like, oh, look love my new TV or uh, feel so much better now the house is clean on like posted on the gram and but you know you haven't seen the previous six weeks where the house looks like a tip or or like someone will also or do you know what I mean or someone will post like or, or it's not it's not even just about what what you're seeing like it could be like really cool image or something oh yeah I really like that that that's how I want to do my house but it it, it could also be something like Someone could say something and it's not actually what's being said. It's who's saying it. That's why it gets liked. Like it, sometimes people will like something purely because of who's saying it. And I think that that fits in quite well with, with life. Like popularity is king. hundred percent. Like someone will say something and, and you'll see, you'll, you'll see a tweet on something and it's got like a hundred thousand likes and it, it'd be something, be like a pretty girl's posted like, like a photo of herself in a bikini saying some with like a inane caption, like just trying to get, just trying to get people to like it and retweet it and trying to get hits on a page. Like it's just, just for attention. Like, but it's complete nonsense. Like it doesn't deserve any attention a lot off the back of that. And it's, it's quite sad really. Like some people will, will be posting things purely to try and get vindication or to try and get some, some love. Um, but it comes across as, as being self-serving and being arrogant and it's, it's it's just like it's just like real life like people say things and you think well, why have you said that and you know it wouldn't be till you actually sit down and have a chat with them and realize they're going through a bit of a bit of a rubbish time or something and you think oh, okay that's why they're doing it so it, it, it's it's no different it's no different from real life in the sense that you have to decipher the bits that you want to take on board and you want to pay more attention to like it's no different in that sense like that will happen in real life it's just a lot more difficult but when you're even more detached from that person and it's just something that's written on your phone. Yeah. Danny, what are the parallels with social media and girls' magazines and women's magazines? Where, where are their parallels? I, I just, um, when I see girls posting up videos of themselves, moving the phone around, doing this pose, pouting, moving their head to different sides to sides, what is that? What are you doing? Do you not feel like a bit of a donut doing that? Because you look like a donut, in my opinion. Like, what are you doing? And I think, how are people finding this and like, entertaining? It's insane. But 
I like I do know a lot of people that compare their lives to other people's lives and they're like oh it's not fair their lives are perfect and they do this with their kids and they do that with their kids it's not real some of it obviously is they go out with their kids but it's not all real like I love Joe Wicks the body coach because when he does videos of his house with his two small children his house is a tip and I think thank god that I'm not the only one like every picture I post is my, my house is a tip my kids are throwing stones everywhere got got coca pots everywhere and that's what like I think a lot of people appreciate realness on social media but with links to magazines and you know filters girls having filters you know it's it's things that they it's people they want to look like and now we're moving into a thing where there's certain women posting up pictures of themselves post having a baby and what their stretch marks look like and what their ba- their bodies are disfigured, like not disfigured, but obviously they're not in the shape that they used to be in because of the children they've had. And that's the body image that we need to be showing that that's real life. And these clothes look amazing on women with body types like this because curve, curvy girls became fashionable that everyone started getting, like have small waist, big bum, big thighs. But that's not, just it, there's more to curve than that if that makes sense there's certain clothes that look amazing on those body figures but what about the body figures of the women that have the real curves if that makes sense no yeah it, it does and I think yeah that's why I asked the question about the parallels because it seems like it's gone from this unattainable look and figure and house that you saw in a magazine yeah and now it becomes this unattainable look and house and figure that you have on Instagram, so I do think there's quite a lot of parallels, and I'm and I'm suppose you know anybody can take this one up here. It's just touching on, you know, influences because ironically, the woman who nah. I quoted, Catherine don't do that Ormerod, out. You know, the, the woman that I quoted, Catherine Ormerod, um, famously, it all clicked into place for her when she started posting about her real life. She started posting about the fact that she was being divorce she posted about the fact that she had fertility issues alongside all of the fashion stuff that she'd done and so surprisingly to her despite writing a book called is social media ruining your life she herself became an influencer and all of her um all of her um followers like went up tenfold the moment she started being honest so that that leads us on to probably the last topic of the of, of the pod to influence or to not influence well, the, with, the, with what you just said, I think, sorry to um, waffle on, but um, when I, don't get me wrong, I don't want to see people moaning all day every day on social media, but when someone says, you know what, I've had a crap day, my kids have pegged at my head all day, I've, I've done this, I've done that, they've driven me insane, I just want a glass of wine, like that's what people, I like to see, and I think, oh, thank God, and I think when you're relating like that, you're not comparing your life and you're not wishing it was something that it's not, and I think for that woman, that's good. But that's not what people want to see, though. Unfortunately, when have you ever seen anybody put yeah. a brown let- a brown letter on, on, on Insta? It don't happen. Like, Dan and, and Al, the question I asked for you, I asked to both of you, because you've both got daughters, is don't you feel the pressures of you guys making sure your daughters don't act like these girls on Instagram? Because yeah. the one, the yeah. one that... A hundred percent. The one that I gets to that me... I heard that kids were getting rated by numbers, yeah, their appearance. See? Like, what is that? So I'm, I'm, I'm going to say something that's quite controversial and, and I'll say it because I believe in it. And yeah, I do feel that pressure because what I want my daughter to grow up to be is to um, have the aspirations to do whatever it is that she believes she's the best at doing. Um, 
and not aspire to be somebody who has a social media following and has this new currency of ticks and likes because this is the thing that you know values our women the amount of ticks and likes and you know by blue tick you know blue ticks and all this stuff that's that that's the the new social currency and i don't want her to to, to to aspire to that i want her to aspire to be the best at whatever it is that she can be and not aspire just to be something that is rated day in day out Bro, i get I, it I, I don't want that for her like i'm i'm i came off instagram for a little while during lockdown I was saying to I was saying to Chris, like all I was seeing was breast and batty. And I was thinking, oh, I don't really want to see this on my timeline. And and some of the girls that are posting it, like, oh yeah, this is my life, look at me, da da da, da are the same girls that are getting beat by a guy that's got no headboard and their head's just taking nothing but plasterboard. And I'm thinking, like, like, <laughs> like, get your life in check. Like, it's just sometimes social media is is such a lie. And I think you need to take it for what it is. Like, some people and influencers, I know I'm losing a battle here. Yeah, that's, that's, that's my question: to to influence or to you know to influence or not to influence. Danny and Chris are pro influencers. I am not. Like I am, and I'm going back to the fashion thing because I have a clothing line, and I I've never taken professional photos of my clothing line. Some people have said, "Why have you not done it?" But six years next month, and we're still here, and I'm still selling clothes. But because I want people to see themselves in real clothes, like when you see them them done up models, I'm not saying it doesn't help, but it's not real. We don't all look like that. And and that's why I made a conscious effort not to post, like, professionally done photos. All my photos that but I post... But not all influencers are like that. I, I, but which influencers... What, but what influencer is real? I've never seen influencers say, I don't like that, even though they've been paid to do it. It sort of takes off what you're meant to do, which is influence people to buy something if it's right or it's not right. But I always see positive yeah. stuff about every product. That's my thing with it. But that's, but, but that's because if money makes the world go round. If someone's doing it for money, it's like then they're gonna they're gonna they're not gonna go against the grain. Where there's some influence out there that do say, "I've tried this product, I don't particularly like it, um, so I'm not gonna use it again." But then they don't like bad mouth them, but they just say it's not my preference. But you know, so or there's people out there that don't look like they're fake or filtered. There's real mums or real um, influencers that don't look like models that are just you know they're, they're not all like that and there's some as well like you know like Mrs Hinch she she looks amazing but she started cleaning and the flora went crazy because she used the flora and she's very real she talks about her anxiety her depression and how cleaning gets her through it and because by being real she's got so many followers and so when people do something for her like um, this cupboard company built her a cupboard and under her stairs and because she posted it they then got so much work from it so much money the best their business have ever done just because she posted it so if it's gonna take your business from like skyrocket your business then why not if if you would choose the right influencer I suppose the question is the, the question is what are you influencing, and I think that's that's the bigger that's the bigger debate there. I think Chris, I mean, you can chime in here. Is is what are you what are you influencing? Because for me, if you're an influencer, you know, I just feel, and again, this is my personal opinion, so you know, don't shoot me for it. I just believe that if you are saying you're an influencer, then I, the expectation for me is what you're influencing is something positive. Um, some people might argue that um, influencing people to buy products. That might make them feel happy as influencing that's fine but someone like what danny's just said 
Mrs. Hinch, for me, is an is a positive influencer because she's influencing positive messages about you know cleaning your house, accepting you've got anxiety and moving through it, and realizing that the world is the world and you know we don't have to dress it up all the time. So that's some for me. That's I'm happy with that. I mean, I mean, Chris, what, what do you think? Yeah, I think um, I think whether people choose to do it or whether it just comes as a byproduct of of success, like when people have a certain following or a certain amount of influence, they have a moral obligation to be pushing things that one, they actually truly believe in and two are decent and are good for people. Like everyone's got different opinions and different tastes, etc. But like, I think, I think most intelligent people, and I would say this is most people can, whether they, whether they consciously pick it up or not, can can see when someone's being false like we all see it then posts where when someone's pushing a product and like oh, come on man you don't really care about the, if your teeth are that white or you don't you don't really love brushing your teeth with that charcoal toothpaste like you don't really care about it shut up like i'm not interested but when people are being real when i don't really have any particular feelings about about joe wicks other than there's no way he's got that muscle tone just doing just doing sit-ups and, and push-ups <laughs> um, that that's a lie. The guy lifts weights, he bangs weights. I'm not having it. Um, it but showing showing you know a, a true reflection of what his life's really like, and not all cut and clean and photoshopped and filtered and whatever. It's it's, it's a really positive thing, and I think that's important. I think in showing the people that it's it's all right not to be perfect all the time, and every photo doesn't have to look like it's been done with like a full photography studio and and cast and crew around you trying to make you look as as on point as possible, like. Just, just be you and be yourself, like, and I think that 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 translates into other parts of social media, like, like, like these dating apps, like, Lord, like filters should be banned. Filters should be banned on all things because it just gives an unfair reflection well, of what entra- someone actually looks like. It's, in, it's, in, it's, in, it's, it's I'm not even, I'm not even talking about cat. I'm not even talking about catfishing. Like, it, it's, 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 it's an easy way of 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 people suffering with with bad body image and and doing bad things to people's mental health when they see like these false these false um, representations of people like looking like they're movie stars when in fact they've just hit just hit a certain filter or something and like people should feel comfortable enough to be themselves and to show the real self without fear of you know repercussions or people thinking less of them like Everyone doesn't look yeah, great not, every, every not, time. Like, happen, Greg, right? I've been see, I've I've seen you one two times on video chat during this lockdown, and the less said about your headpiece, the better. Like everyone's hey. going goes through good good times and bad times, and that like so we should be comfortable enough to show ourselves on a daily basis for fear of being criticised too much. And and I think if people are, that are influencers are showing true reflections of what they're actually going through and they're promoting positivity and tolerance and all the rest of it, then I'm all for it. The problem is that I face with this whole, with this influence thing. Yeah, the, the, the problem I face, oh, I've sent you some of the messages I get. I send Chris some of the messages. But I get about 40 to 50 a day, like influencers trying to get me to send free stuff to them. Every day. Yes, yeah, so it does my head in. Because I'm thinking the same £350 that I'm giving to you, I can go buy stock. Do you know what I mean? So that, that's a whole other podcast. The dating thing, that should be illegal because I've seen girls and I blame that on Snap, Snap, is it Snapchat? Snapfish, whatever it is, yeah. I blame it on that. 
because that, that started the whole field of thing, turning girls into eights. Say they look like Mariah Carey, they turn up and look like Makisha. <laughs> like, it's it's not right. Like, that is wrong. Well, what, about the, what about the guys then? You know, don't just don't just. But, but I can't I can't answer that question. Danny, my daddy can't answer you because she's got a, a partner. But I I don't I don't go there checking what guys look like. I'm sure oh, I'm sure if you was on there, you'd have some slick some slick filter with the doggy ears and a tongue because I know that's your style, <laughs> isn't it? But this this is the thing, really. We're part of this. You know, we're part of this generation. I think they call it exennials, where um actually our dating our dating started uh, phoning up people's landlines and hoping their parents in the answer you know it's the generation after us that um use social media and and, and yeah some of us do still use it but you know if you go back to our, our teenage years you know we, we didn't have that option our early 20s we didn't have that option so bring back MSN. i'm a bit of an uh, yeah i think i'm an, an old stalwart like that and i don't think i'd ever i'd ever go that way because nah. i'm just not used to see it. this is how i know chris is a young buck bro i remember going to a rave yeah You'd make sure you had a good biro pen and a notepad. You know what I mean? You got it there, you're coming out, you're drawing phone numbers. What is it? O two oh eight or O one seven oh eight? Remember them ones out? Chris don't know about them things. Yeah. You, you, know just, you just came Chris out with stickmen then. Just, just stick man and right. memorize stuff, man. Chris don't know about that. Yeah, memorize stuff, man. And getting ner- and getting nervous. And getting nervous to um to ring to ring the house phone because you got to talk to to mummy and daddy like like is your daughter there, please? It's such and such. Ow, but remember my mum changed the game for me in my bedroom phone, innit? Yes. Big up mumsy out there. Yeah, Give me that you're bedroom the only line. One of us lot that had had some communication, man. The rest of us <laughs> had just had to just memorise phone numbers and then wait till we got to Gravy's house. So yeah, it was um Big yeah, up Mumsy. Indeed. Right. So that brings us quite nicely to the back end of that podcast. It's been a nice one. I've enjoyed it. And I think it's time for us to reveal our albums slash tracks of lockdown. Um I'll go first. I haven't really got an album of lockdown because the albums that have come out this year, I haven't really been massively impressed with. So if anything, I've gone back to previous albums. So I've probably looked, listened to quite a lot of Kendrick Lamar. I think that's quite um, poignant at the moment. He was very forward with his, his music and it was very political. And these were albums that came out three, four years ago. And I kind of found myself going back to listen to a lot of K-Dot. But if I had a song of lockdown, it will probably be a track by Party Next Door. It's called Loyal and it features Drake, Drake and yeah. Bad Bunny. It's the remix. It's, it's for me, when this all kicked off, I instantly made a playlist because I knew that we we're going to be spending a lot of time at home. So I made a playlist, a little lockdown playlist, and that was the first track that went on it. And it reminds me of just going out for senseless walks, worrying that every person that walked past me was going to breathe on me and give me COVID-19. Um, but I, I I enjoyed this track nonetheless. So that's my music of lockdown. So, Chris, you want to go up next? Yeah, it's funny you said party next door. Party next door is um, who I had. Like yeah, like you. Like the albums I've heard, I haven't been hugely impressed with. Like I'm not gonna lie. Like listen to to Drake's new new bits and out of the the track list of twenty, there was maybe two that I liked. Um, but yeah, like I think everyone's. I, I'm just going to say this real quick. I don't understand, other than the creative process, I don't understand why artists have dropped off now. Surely now is the time to be plugging your new bits because no one's got anything else to do. People aren't as busy. Pe- loads of people are not working. So surely now is the time to flood the market with your m- new music. But 
will be new, recording new bits, but that's just me. Um, but yeah, my my track of lockdown would be Trauma by Party Next Door. Like, I, I just it's just a nice little, hey, nice little vibe. Party Next Door tracks. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's. I mean, that's that's my uh, that's my track. It's 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 a good song to to jog to. Like, I can I can pick it up and jog to that, and I don't feel like I'm running too slow. So yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Danny, what what about you? Um, I really like. Own It by Stormzy featuring Ed Sheeran and Burner Boy. I love mm-hmm. um, Stormzy and I love Ed Sheeran. I've got loads of his albums. Um, I don't know a lot of Burner Boy's music, but I just love that song. I love yeah, it. Burner Boy's big, big, big Burner Boy fan. Big Burner Boy fan. Anyway, I'm going yes. to listen to more. One of his tracks is my ringtone, funny enough. Oh, uh, yeah, no. Um, actually, I think I remember one of his songs from a, an awards ceremony that I quite liked as well. But um, them, I just hear stuff on the radio and then I'm like oh John who's that and he'll be like oh it's da, 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 da. okay yeah I like that song cool gravy well first okay. of all Danny you're now part of the Otto family so we make sure your music's on point I know how much you love that Ed Sheeran song because you maybe play it like 50 times on at the barbie <laughs> um, Chris is telling lies because the other day we went out, I checked my Spotify, and he had five's greatest hits banging out on there. So he's telling lies. Um, but so, I think so my right, cool. <laughs> my my album of, of the year will be Jay Hoss's Big Conspiracy. Like, I think that's an absolute big album. Like, I, there's about, for me, a good album, if I can get three or four tracks off it, for me, that'd be a good album. There's more than that on that album. Song of Lockdown is probably a recent one. Is um, Chris Brown's, is it Go Crazy? Featuring yeah, one of the that's cool. um, Young Fug, because they they really just released an album. Not rating the album that much, but that's my song. Um, but before I go, um, I'm doing a little innocent plug. Um, we do have an auto event coming up on the fourth of July. It's an auto day party. You get four hours. Tickets are available. There's only sixty tickets, as we do have restrictions due to post-lockdown. So go and grab them tickets. I think they're going to go very fast. Also, don't forget, if you want to get the freshest clothing, check out Otto Clothing on Instagram and Twitter. And last of all, the podcast one, which is uh, at Otto Let's Talk Podcast on the gram. And if you want to follow me, that fat boy with a pretty boy smile, it's DJ underscore Golden Child. Danny, you got anything to plug? Um, Nope. Just um, just come to the party and enjoy them. If you don't like what we've said, please. Dan, what about your personal plan? Oh no. Okay. Um, at, sorry. Um, yeah. Follow me at um, women winging it because I'm just winging it every day. <laughs> Chris, you got you got anything to plug, Chris? Um. Yeah. Like like Greg's already touched on. Like we got got one of the first first parties to be thrown post lockdown the 4th of July when restrictions get lifted adventure bar crap and my street 60 tickets you got you got to pay to get in but it'll be well worth it um and also we've got the Uh-O blog um you can find us on Uh-O blog at on um uh, you can find us on Uh-O blog sorry on wordpress um alternatively you can follow the links on our social um it touches on everything from from daily rants to to mental health, to to parties, to just everything. So so give that a, give that a little read when you when you're bored and you got you got two minutes to yourself. Great. So that's the end of episode two. Just leaves me with enough time to say thank you, Danny. 
And thank you, Chris. No worries. Cheers. And thank you to Gravy himself. Uh-oh. <laughs> right, that's another pod. I'll see you guys in the next one. Bless. Hi.